Middle of the country, but not middle of the road opinions. It's the podcast dedicated to sports in the air capital of the world. I'm going to Wichita. Wichita, Kansas, and beyond with Tommy Castor and Blake Cripps. This is Keeper of the Games. Some may say that we are wildly unqualified. Some may say that we are only mildly entertaining. I say we are exactly where we are supposed to be. And where the hell have we been? We're back. It's episode 99 of the Keeper of the Games podcast, the only podcast focused on sports in and around and of interest to Wichita, Kansas. I am Blake Cripps, joined by Tommy Castor. Tommy, we've been off for about a month. We had like three shows in a row or something. And, you know, since we're old men these days, we can't be bothered to work three weeks in a row without taking time off. How have you enjoyed your time off? And how was the 4th of July Independence Day holiday for the Castor clan? Yeah, it's good. Um, I'm glad that I had it built into my contract on this show. Yeah. That I would be able to get so a month I. off in the middle of uh, of summertime, but no, it's it's been good, uh, good summer, good Fourth of July, pretty chill, pretty easy, um, not a whole lot going on. Um, so yeah, it was good. I, I I just got back from Vegas last week. I was there on a uh, work wow. trip with the Wichita Thunder. Um, so was there for our annual league meetings uh, out there in Vegas. So coming off of that, but all in all, things are pretty solid. How about yourself? How do when do our uh, cost of living increases? kick in on our contracts is that like next month when when do we get that in, in our contract you actually have that in your contract because i don't think i have that built into mine <laughs> i don't think i negotiated that well enough i you know i, I am a good negotiator that's what people always say like <laughs> really tough negotiator yeah um we do have a, a couple of big stories to talk about um one of them won't be the royals directly because they stink um so if you wanted royals talk You'll have to look somewhere else because they're terrible. But there are a number of news and notes that we're going to get to on the show today. The first of which is, of course, is for you to like, share, and subscribe to the show. However you are watching or listening to it, whether it's on iHeartRadio, Spotify, Google, Apple, so much more. Heck, call Fox Sports Radio and tell them to put us on. We appreciate your support however you deliver it. The videos, of course, are on YouTube and on our Facebook page, facebook.com slash keeperthegames. You can follow us on Twitter at CogPod, and the audio drops first at cogpod.podomatic.com. And on the show today, we'll have a news and notes segment. We've got some Kansas State talk. We've got some KU talk. We're going to talk a little Newman Jets here on the show today. Uh, and we do have a big trade for the Kansas City Royals that we will get to. Of course, to whip around the ACs and R's if we screw up. But we will begin today with, obviously, the biggest story that we're probably going to see this summer unless something drastic happens in the NFL. And that, of course, is conference realignment is back for round 7, 8, 15, who knows at this point, but it's back once again and in the spotlight in a huge way. And while this latest round does not directly affect the Big 12, at this point with how the dynamics and the landscape has shifted, basically anything that happens to the Power 5 kind of creates a cascade effect to all of the other Power 5 conferences. So that's why we're talking about it, obviously. We are smack dab right in the middle of Big 12 country, or at least Big 12 country as we know it. 
and as we think it's going to be comprised starting in 2024-25, at least as long as we have something akin to the Power Five still in existence after 2024-25, which I'm not 100% sure that that's going to be accurate either. But we can only operate on what we know right now. And what we know right now is that the University of Southern California and University of California, Los Angeles are headed improbably, and I would have guessed just a year ago, impossibly, to the Big Ten. But that just shows you how quickly and how dynamic, how quickly things can change and how dynamic this atmosphere really is right now in this new era of college sports. The Pac-12 and Big 12, of course, rated again with Texas and Oklahoma. They were the first bombshell to the SEC, and the Big Ten has responded in kind, rating the California schools, the two big ones, from the Pacific 12 as the SEC and the Big Ten cement themselves into the two dominant players in college football and probably in all of college athletics. Tommy, what are your thoughts for what this means for the landscape of college football and for college athletics at large? Yeah, I mean, we're headed towards you know, basically two dominant conferences in college athletics. Um, if you are not a team in the SEC or the Big Ten, you're going to be jockeying for position from here on out. Um, and so I, I really think that really the Pac-12 and the ACC to an extent, and I know we're going to get into some of the we will. speculations surrounding those conferences here in a moment. The fact that I, I kind of feel like those two conferences – sat on their hands a little bit when all the initial Oklahoma and Texas to the SEC talk was sort of going on several months ago and when that was all solidified back in 2021. They kind of sat on their hands and didn't do a whole lot. I think in their minds, those conferences thought, hey, you know, the SEC is not rating us. They're rating the Big 12. Uh, they're taking Oklahoma and Texas. They're, so I think both of those conferences felt like they didn't need to do a whole lot. Like, hey, we're untouched in the Power Five right now. We're okay. While the Big 12 responded to Oklahoma and Texas leaving by going out and grabbing a handful of schools like BYU and Houston and Cincinnati and, of course, UCF. You know, those are the four main schools that are going to be joining the Big 12 once Oklahoma and Texas leaves. So that does not put the Big 12 on solid ground by any means, especially with what we know about USC and UCLA going to the Big 10. But I think that it was a mistake for those other two conferences, the, the Pac-12 and the ACC, to sit back and not really do anything, kind of stand pat and feel like, hey, our conferences are solidified. I think what USC and UCLA saw in the Big 10 is the same thing that Oklahoma and Texas saw in the SEC, especially when it comes to college football. You're exactly right. It's the money. They Dollar saw signs. The, the money through the television deals. Um, I don't remember which university president it was. It, it was, I think, I want to say it was maybe one of the schools in Michigan or it might have been Penn State. I don't remember. It was one of those schools. Uh, back like 10 years ago, I thought this was crazy. I saw this on Twitter. Uh, one of the presidents was giving a speech in 2011. So we're talking over 10 years ago, was giving a speech. And I think offhand, kind of tongue in cheek, made a comment, something to the extent of, we're going to ultimately have two conferences in college football, and they're going to be called ESPN and Fox. And it's sure. crazy, just over a decade later, how true that sentiment is. So if you're not in the Big Ten, 
or the SEC, you're going to be jockeying for position left and right. It doesn't matter how big your portfolio is. It doesn't matter how successful you are in every sport, how you're, unfortunately, how your women's sports are. It doesn't matter how your basketball program is. Sorry, KU. It doesn't matter how good your baseball program is. It doesn't matter any of that. What matters is football and the dollar signs and the ratings that football can drive. That's what has driven this bus from day one. The USC, USC and UCLA, those two teams from the Pac-12, saw the opportunity to make more money in a more marquee conference, the Big Ten has to deal with Fox, than being on, in a lot of cases, late at night on the West Coast. They're still probably going to be late at night in a lot of cases, but in a kind of a non-marquee time slot on television. That's what is driving all of this. And so, of course, all those other teams and all those other conferences are going to have to figure out where they're going to land. It's You can have these the conferences, but outside of the SEC and the Big Ten, all that matters now, if you're in the Big 12, the Pac-12, or the ACC, it's not about your conference anymore. It's about looking out for number one and making sure that you find a good landing spot. It's really interesting because you'll recall when we had the big, um, you know, kind of rash of concussions about five or six years ago. People were talking about, oh, is football going to make it? You know, are we going to ban college football? Is it going to go to two-hand touch? What what an idiotic, <laughs> and I said this at the time, but what an idiotic thought that is. Because if you think that these college football presidents, and that's what they are. They're not really athletic directors or presidents of school. At the Power Five, they're kind of college football presidents. That's the main reason that these universities exist as of today. I'm sure that the founders of USC and UCLA and Michigan and all these AAC schools, you know, would probably, you know, have to hold down some vomit if they knew what their beloved institutions were being used for. But as of 2022, these are college football, the universities of college football. That is what they are. And I'm sure that they would be rolling over if they knew how things were being operated now. But this is reality. And if you think that college football is ever going away at this point, because at this point now, with the inflation of these deals, partly thanks to the economy, and, you know, we're not going to get into politics and government, but, you know, money machine go burr, tons of liquidity, printing all this money, and obviously, wow, there's inflation, who knew? So all of these dollar signs have gone up and up, especially as there's been more streaming options, more options for entertainment, you know, getting a 10 share or a 10 rating now is unbelievable. Whereas, you know, when we were watching TV in the 80s and 90s, getting a 10 was, I mean, you're okay, I guess. I mean, it's okay on an NBC Thursday night if you're the lead into Seinfeld or whatever. But now, getting a 10 is huge. So there is more at stake now for these programs than there have ever been. So anybody who thinks college football is going away, you're insane. The biggest question is going to be, Tommy, how will the Big 12 respond? And that's obviously what's of most of greatest import to our listeners. We're going to be the Jayhawk of the Wildcat fans in the room. There have been reports that the conference has said that we don't need to respond. The I think the majority of the reports that I have read, probably the ones that you have read as well, is that there have been um, talks with as many as four and perhaps as as great as six Pac-12 schools about joining the Big 12 
to form, I guess, what would be a Big 18 at that point. As I'm hoping that we're not going to be like the Big 10 and just refuse to ever change our number. I'm hoping that we're going to actually be the number of schools in the conference title. I'm hoping that that will be the case. In my mind, there's no question that the Big 12 needs to do something. Standing pat is not going to work right now. Uh, there are other reports, of course, that the ACC and the Pac-12 are contemplating some sort of an alliance that may even include, include some sort of an interconference championship at the end of the year. Uh, so I guess let's throw it into that direction first. What is the correct move for the Big 12? What schools are the right schools? The six that have been named, I think, most demonstrably and confidently by Dennis Dodd of CBS Sports are Arizona, Arizona State, Colorado, Utah. Those are the first four. And then the next two past those four are Washington and Oregon. Is this a situation where the Big 12 should just take four? Should they take all six? Or should the Big 12 just go to the Pac-12 and say, let's just form our own super conference. Let's just get everybody in here. And I guess that would be 20 schools, I believe, at that point. 12, 22, maybe at that point, whatever it would be, what would be the best case scenario for the Big 12, the members as it stands today, of course, subtracting Texas and Oklahoma? Well, let me preface this by saying, first off, one thing is for sure. It doesn't matter what Dennis Dodd from CBS is saying or really what anybody is saying. Nobody truly knows. No, and I agree. I, I absolutely wholeheartedly believe that the few people who do know the inner workings and what's going on, they're not talking. The people that are talking are the ones that are there. It's, it's for leverage. It's to get things to go viral, to try to put pressure. Like, look like this conference is discussing an allegiance with this conference. And so what do you make of Colorado's AD say, Oh, we are not talking to anybody. uh, We're a hundred percent committed to the PAC 12. I say baloney. Well, I mean, a hundred bucks says that, Anybody who is anybody with these institutions, whether they're at the university level or the conference level, have signed confidentiality agreements. Make no mistake about that. So they're not talking. And if they are they're it's 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 I don't want to say a wild goose chase, but they're they're scattering the 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 clues everywhere because it's premeditated nobody, collusion to conceal the 100 percent, 100 percent, because they don't want what happened with Oklahoma and Texas to happen again. That story broke before it was ready to be broken. And then all of a sudden, everybody started scrambling. And it was, you know, it was, I remember the day that 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 story broke. I was filling in on KFH radio the day that that story broke. And I was completely unprepared for it. Like that, that was not something that anybody had even in the realm of possibility. So this is uh, intentional, it, it, I don't. It's just, it's none of it is real. And, until and apparently, it is. the Big Ten did a great job because the if you believe the Pac-12, sure. and I don't know. I mean, this story caught me by surprise. But sure. you know, the Big Ten was certainly prepared for it. The two institutions were prepared for it. But sure. according to the Pac-12, there was no knowledge of this, no prior knowledge at all. Which right. if, I mean, if you're the USC and the if you're the Trojans and the Bruins, I mean, you've been in this conference for. Like ninety years, roughly. I know the big yeah. the pack. 
you're just gonna leave like that? That is yeah. that to me is insane. Th- this this is a intentional misdirection, intentional misdirection at all levels. Um, so regardless, and you know, yeah, Dennis Dodd, somebody probably probably a well placed source probably told him that there have been discussions about that. That wouldn't surprise me, but nobody really knows anything official, and 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 we won't until we do, right? And so that's that's the biggest thing. But I I also believe as as it relates to the Big Twelve. I'm not necessarily sure that any of those scenarios that you threw threw out there is really an ideal situation for the Big 12. Um, What is the ideal situation then? I almost think that the Big 12, and I know this is going to create so many teams, and I don't think this is really realistic, but if I'm heading up all of this, I'm going to the Pac-12 and the ACC. And I'm saying all three conferences, we got to get uh. together because the the sheer number of our programs at that point, I think we can then start to compete with the Big Ten and ES and 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 the SEC. And we need to find another broadcast partner at the level of an ESPN or a Fox to take our talents to. Does that mean? It's. I mean, it's probably now not a CBS. It's probably not NBC and CBS, you're, but you're right? Probably, but don't, but don't, don't count out the emerging streamers. Don't count out your Amazon, your Apple, your sure. Netflix. Even don't, don't count those streamers out. Th- look at what Amazon has done with the NFL. You know, and they've taken over the Thursday night football package. Sure, that was something as recently as a year or two ago that I don't think anybody thought was even a, a possibility. Not only is it now a reality, they got Al freaking Michaels <laughs> as the play-by-play guy for Thursday night football this upcoming season. Right. Uh, so this is not a world where you look down on those streamers as much anymore. Don't get me wrong. The Big 12 deal with ESPN Plus is an unmitigated disaster. I'm not I'm not trying to defend that one iota. But if you great. can get if you can get a premier streaming source and you have the sheer assets and the programs and the power of the Big 12, the Pac-12 and the ACC, I think at that point you walk away feeling pretty good. Is that realistic? Probably not. Are there more schools from those three conferences that are going to jump ship and go to the Big Ten or the SEC? Maybe so. I heard a, I saw a report on Twitter as recently as today saying that allegedly the SEC is having discussions with four schools from the ACC, including Clemson, Virginia, and North Carolina. I think there was one more, maybe Florida State, where the four schools that were having conversations with the SEC. This is not over with by by any conference. When the dust settles, you're going to have two or three major conferences and everybody else is going to be left behind. It's been really interesting that the ACC... I've been shocked because their rights are locked in for like 10 more years. So like those schools in the ACC, if they want to leave, they're going to have to pay premium dollars to get out because they're locked in through like 2035. That's that's why I say it's probably not realistic when you have all three of those school or those uh, conferences joining together. But I don't buy the discussion that the Pac-12 and the ACC are talking about an alliance. I, I don't I don't buy that or I mean, believe that. They already because tried to why, do that with the Big Ten, and it didn't work. It didn't work, and the Big Ten bolted pretty quickly. And you the know? Big and, Ten rated the Pac-12 right, like less yes, than a year right. later. So I, I, I don't I don't buy that one bit. Um 
there's a lot, like I said before, going on under the surface, oh, sure. behind the scenes. One thing that I think is really interesting, as we, you know, we kind of bring it back to the Big 12 here for a second, let's not forget the brand new Big 12 commissioner has only been on the job for like a week. <laughs> I, I mean, the, no. the, the, the timing I of this is not great for him. He's probably head underwater, but from everything I've read about him, he's a sharp guy, was what the COO for Jay-Z's company? Well, and worked, now has he's the... Extends its Brett Yormark. Probably should right. have brought that up. Probably would be a story that we were talking about, except right. for, you know, this. Um, has a lot of experience at the NBA level. He ex- succeeds, of course, uh, Bob Bullsme, uh, who stepped away after a decade with the Big 12 um, he, you know, on his announcement, they've got quotes from the Fox Sports CEO, from the NBA yep. commissioner. So maybe this is a guy because he has been, I, I believe that he was with the Nets as CEO when they moved from New Jersey to Brooklyn, which mm-hmm. that was kind of a big deal at the time. Maybe this is a guy because he's been involved in athletics, not necessarily at the collegiate level, but in, right. you know, when you're involved with an NBA team, that's about as big time as big-time athletics get outside of the NFL and the Yankees or the Dodgers that you can get in this country. So maybe he's the right kind of guy because when you're talking about potential leagues that span four time zones and go coast to coast, this is as close as we get. And I mean, with NIL coming in now, and I know that the NCAA is saying, well, we're going to crack down on all this. Like, what's the chances? I'm going to – the NCAA – is 1000% irrelevant oh, from here on are here on out into like what's what are they going to tell the SEC at this point like well, hey you can't be paying that player that much <laughs> right. like oh okay sure whatever give yep. us your little you know just let us know how much the fine is and right. you know we'll pay half and you right. know maybe fund your women's golf championship next year yeah. and if we're and if you ask nicely maybe we'll throw in a little on the side so you can have a men's volleyball championship for the 20 schools that are left after we get done taking all the ones that we want so and, and I think it's so I think it's so smart that you know even though Brett Yormark is brand new to the Big 12 I think it's a it's a com- incredibly smart hire because I agree. this guy bridges the gap in with professional sports entertainment I think he brings a lot of that NIL business mentality sure. into this conference and and again let's not forget that a, a part of this reason that all of this is happening it's not just the TV deals. That's of course a major driver. ESPN and Fox, they've driven the boat on this, but it's also the fact that NIL money that's coming in. And I I read a study just recently about this, that basically stated that because of NIL dollars going to the, the athletes, that donations across the board around the entire college athletic landscape way down. Not surprised because you're, they've, why donate at this point? Because exactly. when you were a wealthy person before, you're saying, okay, I'm providing an education for this player. I want them to have a good experience when they are at yep. KU. I want them to be able to go into a great venue like Allen Fieldhouse, to play in great fans, to have the nicest stuff. When you're going to Bill Snyder Family Stadium, I want that to be someplace in Manhattan, Kansas, that is a destination, that kids know we've got something special here. We're upgrading. We're making it better all the time. And so you can get kids to go to a small college town like Lawrence or a small college town like Manhattan to play college sports. You have to have 
you have to have athletes that do that. But when you are going to subsidize everything with these businesses and these even, I don't know if they have bigger or smaller pockets compared to donors, probably bigger. But if those kids are getting just paid directly and getting paid a million dollars, all of a sudden you're like, well, I mean, I can make a donation, but it, does that actually and that's help? Why, that's why it was so ludicrous that Mark Emmert and the NCAA fought NIL so hard. Had they embraced it and put together some sort of system or program that was nationwide where funds were funneled through the universities to the players the way sure. that it naturally should be, then those big donors could still donate to the school and be assured that some of that money was going to be going to the actual athletes. But the NCAA fought that tooth and nail and just absolutely threw a hissy fit about Amateurism it. Amateurism is the core of college to, athletics. Huh. To the point How's to where that sound it, right now? it finally just was like, well, let's just blow the whole damn thing up and just let players get checks cut to them. Well, you know you what? Know? We're going to lose on this. We might as well lose by 100 if we're going to lose right and they're so getting that's, blowed out right now the, those are the dominoes that preceded all of this and here we are right in the middle of it and now these universities their endowments are probably down they're not getting the donations to their athletic programs like they used to they've got to go f they've got to make budget they've got to pay the salaries of the administrators and the staff and, all, and everybody Code all of that. I Alabama's mean, they, got, not cutting budget no, right now. They've at got, all. They've got promises they've got to keep. So how do you go and find that alternative money? ESPN and Fox are willing to pay for it. And that's what is driving this 100%. You can point it all the way back at Mark Emmert. You can sure. point it all the way back at the NCAA for causing all of this. And now we'll set back and figure out exactly where the chips may fall. And, you know, so we talked about the Big 12 and going in a little bit deeper and how it relates to Kansas and Kansas State, I don't really think there's a huge impact to Wichita State, and and, and there's really not a whole lot. I they think, don't to play football. Discuss right. I, do, I don't don't really think that this whole conference realignment affects them a whole lot um, outside of the teams leaving the American and the sure. new teams coming in. Uh, but for Kansas and Kansas State, I think if you're Kansas State. You're more than likely just you're going to land where the Big 12 lands. That's probably that's ultimately what's going to happen. I think I'm not so sure about Kansas and they may be saying publicly Doug Gerard, the chancellor on Thursday, basically said we stand with the Big 12. We're you know, we're, we're focused on supporting the new leadership with the Big 12. That may be what he's saying publicly, but rest assured they're trying to find the best landing spot for that institution. And here's again, the thing though, Tommy. unfortunately for Kansas, this is driven by football and we all know what Kansas football is like. Nothing. It's nothing right now. They, they had a list of like the top 25 programs in the last like 15 years. Kansas state's on that list. KU is not. So I've heard that Kansas State, you know, the one report said Kansas State to the SEC is a target. We had heard previously that KU to the Big Ten was a target. Sure. Now, maybe that's before they, they you know, reached out to USC and UCLA and said, you know, you want to come. And they were like, uh, yeah, we would actually like to go over there. And they said, well, okay, if we can get USC and UCLA, you know, we don't probably need to go and get Kansas. So at right. this point, is KU really in a better position than Kansas State? I'm not sure that I agree with that. I don't, I don't think, I don't, I'm not suggesting they're in a better position. I'm just suggesting that I've not heard nearly as much chatter about Kansas State being poached and going somewhere else as I have Kansas potentially going to. Have you heard it here 10, recently though? We did no, hear I, that I really previous. Haven't. 
I don't think that I think that the appetite for like Kansas State, are you going to go? We had heard Kansas State to the Pac-12 was one option that we had heard sure. previously. If you're sure. Kansas State, you're not going to the Pac-12 now. And if right. you're the Big Ten, there's only one thing. I don't think that Big Ten expansion is coming anymore. I don't think they're going after any more schools. They're going to stick with who they got. There's only one school, and you know what the school is. It's going to move the needle for the Big Ten. And that Notre is the, the prized possession yep. the white whale the you know the king of the forest in bambi that they've been hunting for years yep. notre dame is the only thing that changes and this conversation notre dame in my opinion they have, they have no their head in, in the, the sand no interest in going to the big 10 the what they're trying to do in my opinion is they're trying to use this offer as leverage to go back to nbc and say pay us more for our exclusive why deal. otherwise we're going to the big 10 Otherwise, we're going to join the Big Ten and do it. And I think NB, I wouldn't be surprised if NBC bends over and says, yeah, we'll give you what you want if to I'm not N- leave that 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 program. If I'm NBC, you know, what do you get when you get what do you get with Notre Dame right now? Do you think that the Notre brand Dame brand prestige you do? But I think that their brand prestige is getting diluted by the strength that the Big Ten has to offer, and the SEC. If you would rather have one property, the SEC, the Big Ten, or Notre Dame, which one are you going for? I'm not picking Notre Dame. But here's here's my point, though, is why don't, you know, and I'm sure Notre Dame is doing this, take that speculation to NBC, try to negotiate more money. Sure, If you don't get it, if you don't get it, then bolt for the Big Ten. I think they can play both sides of it. The problem is the other potential schools waiting around in the wings, what is Notre Dame going to do? Are they going to accept? Are they not? Because the Big Ten probably has to get one more school if they get Notre Dame. What is that school? Is it a Kansas? You know, Kansas has – are you – I think UCLA and USC are both – AAC schools, which it was, it's it's really hilarious that that was such a big deal when Nebraska joined. Then Nebraska right. got kicked out like two seconds later, and they're like, right. oh well, uh, oh all of a sudden our academics and our conference, you know, academic cooperation council, whatever the heck they call it, obviously doesn't mean diddly at that point. Sure. But after you have them, but you know, I, I, for me, I don't feel like there is any possible or any let me say any likely scenario that involves kansas state or ku getting poached by a league at this point i don't think it's very likely i don't think it's likely i don't think it's zero but i don't i don't think it's over i I would say under five percent for both i i also believe that make no mistake about this kansas is regardless of what they're saying publicly and how confident they are in the leadership of the Big 12 and blah, blah, blah. They're caught with their pants down a little bit, too, because of the fact that the football program, is it's well-documented, has gotten so bad over the years well, I mean, you to the point hired- to where it's completely taken them out of consideration. If, if Kansas had a more solid football program, you have to believe that they would be much more attracted sure. or attractable uh, by the, one of these other conferences. Agreed. But they're not. And it's not just the program. It's everything surrounding football. It's the facilities. It's all of that. And I remember hearing from the leadership at KU at, uh, I don't even, I couldn't tell you the year. It was probably four or five years ago. I was at an event for KU. Is this a Shane Zinger the, quote or a Jeff Long quote? Yeah, I believe, I think it was still in the Zinger. Uh, so if it's a Jeff Long quote, tenure, then I, I, say. I don't care about anything that he said. 
If it's no, Shan I'm, Zinger, I'm pretty I'll sure it was. I'm pretty sure it was Zinger, and and he was at that time. And this was keep in mind, probably 2015, 2016, 2017, sometime around there, talking about getting Kansas ready for. I don't think he said conference realignment, but when the TV deals are up, there's going to be a major shakeup when the TV deals are up. Unfortunately, the shakeup is happening before the TV deals are up. And it's these conferences are they're getting antsy because of NIL, what we just talked about. So unfortunately, Kansas did not get their program, their facilities, all of that up to par in time to beat the big shakeup. And here we are, unfortunately. I mean, I think, you know, if you're KU right now, I mean, there's nothing else that you can do at this point. No. I think that we both agree based on the last four or five games of last year, KU played demonstrably better sure. than they did the first half. They got wins and were competitive in almost every game down the stretch. Beat Texas, almost beat Oklahoma, could have beaten West Virginia. They played well. Play, they played like and looked like an actual college Power 5 football team. Like If you looked yeah. at them, you would just say, you know, they're obviously not ready for prime time, but it's a team that you have to actually practice to beat. Whereas versus before, I think probably probably 63 out of the 65 other Power 5 schools could probably take the week off and still beat Kansas by about 20 to 30 points. Sure. I don't think that the team – so that at, at this point, it you can't do anything else. You have a new athletic director that everybody seems to like, well-regarded. You have a football coach that everybody seems to like, was well-regarded. We've seen short-term improvement. You've got your quarterback. At, at that point, you can't look any further. W- what I think is really interesting is going back to NBC and this idea that the SEC is not done expanding. Maybe they want to go after you know Florida State or a, a Miami is another program that I have heard has been you know in talks with the SEC. You mentioned North Carolina. You mentioned Virginia to tr- as they try to you know expand their brand footprint into different media markets, which is something that was talked about in the last round of realignment and now is being talked about in this round of realignment. Obviously, with the SEC moving into the Midwest, getting into Texas more, and into the Oklahoma City market with Oklahoma and Texas, certainly the California schools bringing in the second biggest media market in the country to the Big Ten. If you are NBC at this point, why wouldn't you say if you want to have college football or collegiate sports, you're making USA into much more of a sports network? I know they canceled NBC Sports Network, but USA is a much bigger sports network now and it's going to be moving forward than it was in the past. Why wouldn't you give Notre Dame the middle finger if the SEC takes those four schools, go to these three other conferences and say, let's do something with us on NBC. All of a sudden, we're a primetime player. We have, I mean, they're not that they're going to have the football strength that those other two conferences will, but, I mean, you look at other, other schools, Oregon, Washington, Oklahoma State, North Carolina, you've got other schools that in the Louisville that have been in and around Kansas State, these, you know, New Year's Six Bulls in their history. You've got a lot of power power programs there. And it's not, I'm not, I don't want to say you're getting the scraps. You're obviously not getting the fillet. The fillet has already been taken. The SEC has that. The you know the porterhouse is up to the Big Ten. But you're getting some pretty good value there, and you have a nationwide huge media market and huge you know contract that you can work with. 
Obviously, scheduling is going to be a nightmare. Traditional rivalries, I guess, I guess who cares about those at this point? But the, the, the cross-country travel, maybe you have three divisions. You have like a PAC division, a Midwest division, and an ACC division in this big 30 or whatever the, they would call it. Um, that's intriguing to me. Again, I don't know how likely that is, but it is interesting that the Big 12 of these three conferences appears to be the most stable. For the first time since like 2007, it's the Big 12 that looks to be the most steady, the most unified, and the most together. Yeah, I, you know, that goes back to what I said at the very beginning, that I think if you try to merge the three remaining together, I think you have the sheer number of schools to good then, you know, be able to compete on a and level a lot of media with the SEC too. and the Big Ten. Without a doubt, I don't dislike the NBC option. I don't know if they have the wherewithal to, to I don't do know that either. necessarily. I mean, but they do have the traditional platforms and they are putting a lot of push and money behind Peacock. A ton. You know, so there's you an are option right. there. One other option that, as you were saying that, I thought, you know, who could easily jump in would be a Turner type property, you know, and you've got GBS, TNT, True TV, and hey, maybe it's a, you know, like the March Madness partnership with CBS and, you know, CBS doesn't have the SEC anymore. And so, hey. Go to college they're, football. They're already doing got, it. They, they've go. already doing, done it with college basketball. You know, if, if CBS wants to get back into that, that would give CBS and Turner kind of a, a year-long commitment to college sports. Right. I mean, I, I guess they're not doing – maybe they would they could start doing baseball. I know that yeah. CBS has got, you know, professional golf commitments in the spring, and right. TNT, Turner, they've got uh, the NBA in the spring. And obviously hockey is a big thing but for hey, them now. The, the it's not a terrible hockey, idea, though. Yeah, hockey is big on Turner, but then also with CBS – even during the early golf season or even the late golf season, they're still showing, they would show an SEC game sure. in the fall opposite their, their golf, their golf coverage. And they, they would have, show a college basketball game in February early in the day and then oh cut yeah, to golf on Sunday. coverage. Like it's not that that's not uncommon no. to, you know, to see that happen with CBS. The, and so that's an option. NBC is an option. But then again, like I said before, don't count out an Amazon or an Apple or, sure. you know, a streaming service like that. And I don't necessarily think that's the scraps anymore. I don't think going to a big Amazon type platform is bad necessarily. You'd love to have a terrestrial partner, I guess. Of course. Uh, but I don't think that's the end of the world. But I do think that these conferences are going to need to get strategic and not just have two of them align. I think all of them are going to have to align for this to actually pan out and work out the way it should. And what I find really interesting is if Dennis Dodd is correct and maybe it's not a full Pac-12, Big 12 merger necessarily, but do you mean, the Big 12 do you mean tries to, say to Big poach. 12 or are you talking about Pac-12 ACC? No, I mean the Big 12 poaching those four schools from the Pac-12. Four or six so maybe schools, it's, okay. Maybe it's not the whole conference is coming together, but it's, it's just the Big 12 taking those schools. Uh, not even from a football perspective, that's a hell of a basketball conference. It With is. Arizona, Arizona State, Utah, Colorado, you throw in Oregon in there, they're, they're, they're strong. And don't forget about the fact that the Big 12 is going to be bringing in uh, Houston and Cincinnati. I mean, you've got... That's a hell of a it basketball is. conference right there. Um, again, this is not driven by basketball one bit. Not at all. But that that would be super intriguing. 
That would be, it would be a lot of fun. The other thing, too, is, you know, KU and Kansas State have always kind of been tied together. And I know that there have been people on the regions who have said, well, we have to keep these two schools together. Like, one is not going to move without the other. I don't think so. I know that the – I think the people in Manhattan and the people in Lawrence are going to be looking out for the people in Manhattan and the 100%. people in Lawrence. Look um, at look at uh, Oklahoma and Oklahoma State. They're yeah. not going to be together How anymore. How did that work out? Look at Iowa and Iowa State. Haven't been together in ever. a long time. You know, it, or ever. Yeah. So yeah. So Washington, Washington State. What's that dynamic like? What's the dynamic like between Oregon and Oregon State? Uh, all very very interesting to me. And don't the, the CBS and Turner thing you proposed is really interesting. What would you rather have if you were Turner? Would you rather have I don't know whether what do they run on True TV on Saturday afternoons like cop probably reruns of impractical jokers I so would think. would you rather have that on true tv especially now that you've gotten down to a lower tier because you have ncaa basketball coverage yep. it's probably the highest rated programming that they have why not yep. make it into what's more true to life than college sports yep. why not have college football college basketball on it year round in and addition we're to the, seeing we're seeing Turner jump into that world already. You know, they, they, they're going more national with their sports. You mentioned the NHL coverage. They do now a Tuesday night MLB game of the week. Yeah, you know, that that's they on TBS. Used to do on TBS. Like the, that, that Turner sports properties, it's growing, growing and growing and growing. And they have the sheer number of terrestrial platforms in TBS, TNT, and True TV, uh, True TV that you could, you could schedule a multitude of games on those three networks on college football Saturdays. You could, in theory, pick up regular season college basketball Absolutely. outside of March Madness. And then think of the, you know, everybody loves the the studio teams and the commentators during March Madness that Turner and CBS brings out. You're going to get a chance to see them year round if they have a regular season package. So I, I, I think that that for me, if you were to do... Pac-12, Big 12, ACC all come together, a Super 30 or whatever it looks like with a partner in, the, in CBS name, and Turner. That's, that's, that's awesome. That's Not great. only that, but CBS, you've got CBS Sports Network that you need programming yep. on. Yep. Would you rather have some, you know, like uh, Ivy League football game or whatever they normally have, Maction right. on Saturdays or one of these <laughs> right. schools? And yeah. let's not forget Paramount Plus. They're putting NFL games sure. on that. Paramount sure. Plus is a pretty premium streaming service. Sure. I bet they'd love to have some college football games on Paramount. So, yeah. I, I think might, I, might be I think between something you here. and me, I think we've solved this entire issue. I mean, the, the, somebody ought to probably give us a call. I mean, we can work out some details, some royalty. We can get the, that cost of living increase that we wanted in our contract. Yeah. Probably. Uh, there is some other news and notes that we want to get to here before we step aside uh, for the week on the show. Uh, by the way, stay tuned for the end of the episode. We've got some big announcements coming up for Show 100, our next episode. But first, uh, Kansas State football has been having a very big offseason. Avery Johnson has signed for Kansas State. The Mays quarterback signs with the Wildcats, beating out Oregon and Washington. Kansas State gets their first number one in-state recruit since 2004. Dylan Edwards of Derby. He's also signed with Kansas State since the last time we talked. Wesley Fair of Wichita Collegiate. Tight end Will Ancio of Cape and Mount Carmel. So they have been coming hard and heavy into Sedgwick County, and they've gone four for four on those guys. Randall of Wichita Heights, the running back, 
KU and Kansas State both still in the mix for him. He has not yet decided. Johnson Edwards and Fair, they were all on the same youth football team. Kansas State now up to the number 41 recruiting class in the country, which as you know, Tommy, doesn't mean anything to me. The question is, will this class be enough to push the Wildcats back over the top of being a competitive Big 12 team, which they have been, but not top tier, to returning to their status as a competing power to be reckoned with inside the Big 12 conference? You know, I think it certainly helps, right? I mean, when whenever you get the number one player in your state, that's going to help. And going in-state, homegrown players, I think that's always... Um, that, that that's always you going have to, to win look good state. for other exactly, and for a long time, Kansas State nor Kansas were winning the state of Kansas. That just didn't happen. So now, Snyder don't, showed up. Don't get me wrong, Kansas is not typically a hotbed of a lot of top no, tier talent. Not. Um, we're not a Texas. We're not a Florida. We're not a Georgia. No. Like that's not not a California. That's not Kansas. But occasionally you get diamonds in the rough. Uh, and you still want to make sure you're going out and you're getting top tier guys in your state. Um, the thing about Avery Johnson, I want to temper some expectations about him. The kid is an athlete. He comes from a, from an athletic family. He's done great things at Mays. He, yeah, he's the number one recruit in the state. Let's not forget he's number 179 nationally. Like there are 178 players nationally that are ranked higher than Avery Johnson is. So not a knock on the kid. He's a tremendous athlete. He's got some growing to do. Not just in his game, but I think he also is a little small. I think he he's is. going to need to beef up a little bit when he gets to sure. college. He's listed at six two, like one. What does it say? One seventy three. Which you know you're going to get bounced around in the Big you're Twelve. Get bounced around by some D linemen <laughs> yes, uh, when you're on when you're on the road to Baylor uh, or whatever this upcoming season. So he's going to need to put some weight on if he wants to play at the quarterback position. But you know I think it certainly helps and it adds to that quarterback room. Dylan Edwards is a dynamic player out of Derby. I like that signing a lot for Chris Kleiman. I do too. I think what all of this does is it adds credibility to what Kleiman is doing with this program in a long-term sense. It's not just going out and getting Juco guys. You're not get you're not artificially building the program. You're take kind of taking the Bill Snyder tried and true method of going in state and getting players. So will it actually translate? I don't know necessarily and we'll have to wait to find out, but I think it certainly doesn't hurt. The Big 12 preseason football poll was released as well today. Might as well get to that while we're here. Baylor, 17 first-place votes. They are the favorite, not by much over Oklahoma, second with 12 first-place votes. Oklahoma State was third with nine. Texas was fourth with two. Seems to be, for me, Texas is a little bit of a reach because they've underperformed pretty much every year in the last five or six years. Texas has gone out to a great start and then last year obviously in the last month of the season texas was awful uh so i'd have kansas state above them kansas state didn't get any first place votes they're picked right in the middle at five iowa state somehow got one first place vote they're sixth and kansas is so far down the bottom they can't even see the top with only 48 votes they may be the worst team in the big 12 i don't know but gosh I, if kansas continues to have the kind of quarterback play that they did last year, I think they've got a good chance to not be the worst team in the Big 12, which I know that doesn't 
say much or if, or anything. Right. Uh, Kansas State got six preseason players named uh, to the preseason team, uh, including Felix uh, Felix Anaduke Uzoma. Anaduke Uzoma, the preseason defensive player of the year for the Wildcats. Kenny Logan was the preseason, I think, preseason second team defensive back for the Jayhawks. He was their only one on those Big 12 teams. Another big story, of course, was Kansas basketball in the NBA draft as Christian Brown, Ochai Abaji both go in the first round. David McCormick signing an Exhibit 10 contract with the Minnesota Timberwolves. So not a big surprise. I know that there were some that were a bit surprised at how early Christian Brown went, but certainly nice to see the Jayhawks both going in the first round of the NBA draft and certainly justifying their decisions to, to leave. There was no question that Ochai was going to leave, but certainly for Christian Brown, he's got to feel really good about his decision to leave after a national championship and getting drafted at, at position 21. I'm sure he's ecstatic. Yeah, I mean, we all knew that Christian Brown was going to probably end up being a pro in some capacity, but I just want to mention for a second the overall growth of Ochai Abaji from the time that he arrived at Kansas to the time he got drafted, you know, he was what a three-star recruit coming out Something of high like school. That, yeah, you know, not not nationally known, not somebody that was high-profile whatsoever. Came in red-shirted originally. Let's not forget that. Took the red shirt off mid-season his freshman year. Went on a tear. And then kind of, I don't want to say regressed, but kind of came back down to earth at the very beginning of his sophomore year. And it took some time to grow into his role, sophomore year, junior year, and then into the senior year. I think it, it, it goes to show the development that Bill Self can do. And, and, you know, everybody always talks about what John Calipari does as far as developing players for the NBA. Uh, I don't think Bill Self gets the amount of love that he deserves for that same sort of thing. A lot of people talk about what Bill Self does in-game and how he's a great in-game coach. And obviously, yeah, they're the defending national champions. Of course, he's great in-game. But the defending, but being able to develop talent for the NBA, Bill Self can do that too. Yeah. And the strength and conditioning department. I mean, getting Ochai NBA ready from where he started at KU to being drafted to go to Cleveland in the first round is just remarkable. So happy for both him and Christian Brown. Um, yeah, that was great to see both of them go. Also big news coming in state, the Newman University Jets. Shout out to the Navy and Red here. We're in the polo today. Uh, the MIAA announcing just last week that Newman and Rogers State were officially accepted as full members of the Mid-America Intercollegiate Athletic Association, joining 12 other MIAA member institutions. They were three seasons associate members of the conference. The Jets joining after the departure of the Heartland Conference with the rest of the schools joining the Lone Star Conference. The Jets moving into the MIAA. Of course, Roger State was set to join the Lone Star, aborted that move in order to join the MIAA. And after these three seasons, the Jets and the Hellcats get to continue their rivalry inside the MIAA, the only MIAA schools with full membership that do not have football. That was a rule that was suspended. I don't know if it was just for these two schools or if it's a conference rule now, but obviously you don't have to have football to be in the MIAA. Uh, so obviously a huge, huge accomplishment uh, for Joanna Pryor, three years as, a, as athletic director, to get Newman to this point as a full member of the MIAA, I, I think a huge feather in her cap and a, a really, really big, big uh, play for, for Newman to, to be a full member in the MIAA. 
So Blake, as someone who is pretty well connected with the Newman community, how monumental is this? What does that mean? Like what I I obviously know the difference between being a full member and not, but from a day-to-day perspective in athletics, how does this change things for, for Newman? What does this mean I don't for think that's something I'm going to ask Joe when we start back up on the Jedcast. She's going to be on the first show. I don't know if she knows it or not. She will if she watches our <laughs> show. Uh, Joe, I'm coming for you. But um, I think for the, the regular fan, for the booster, for the student athlete, for coaches, I don't think there will be any difference. I think it will be business as usual in terms of scheduling, in terms of how the teams are treated. I don't think that Roger State and Newman are going to see any kind of a difference. I think that the difference is going to be at the administrative level. I think that Joe will see a difference. I think that the people in the athletic department, uh, you know, who are working above me, all of all of my superiors in the athletic department, which would be everybody in the athletic department above me, um, all of them will see a difference because, you know, as a full member, I think that there, and you know, I don't know the answer to this. I'm going to ask to get the answer to this, but I think that there are going to probably be changes in voting rights. Probably as a full member, you're going to get to vote on more things than an associate member would get to vote on who, you know, we don't know for sure. And obviously, you know, if you're Newman, if you're Roger State, when you came in, you didn't join as an associate member thinking, well, we're only going to be in this conference for two or three years. But, you know, not having that full membership certainly is a damp- puts a damper on things. So now Newman and Roger State can feel comfortable. They can feel confident moving forward that they've got a long-term partner, a long-term relationship. Not that the NCAA Division II is immune to conference realignment. We have seen that happening more than I ever thought that we would at that level. But um, I think at the administrative level, it's probably going to be where that difference is noticed the most. I don't think for fans that they're probably, or, or coaches, players, I don't think that they'll probably notice, uh, notice it at all. But um, really big move for Joanna Pryor. Congratulations to her and to the president, uh, Kathleen Jagger uh, for Newman, who uh, both got this done. And uh, I don't have anything else to say, but go Jets. I can't wait for us to lace it up for, uh, for soccer and volleyball season uh, coming up for the Navy and Red. Great, great news. Uh, the only thing we're talking about the Royals today, other than to tell you that they stink, is that the Royals have parted ways with Carlos Santana. He's been traded to the Mariners for two uh, prospect pitchers. In just over 200 games in Kansas City, Santana hit a forgettable 215, 23 home runs, and an OBP in the low 300s. His war was a grand total, wins above replacement, 0.5 over his 200 games. He was minuscule or negative in just about every sabermetric category that a batter can be measured in. And I know that at the time, uh, this was seen as, oh, well, maybe this is going to be the Royals getting ready to compete. And uh, I'm going to raise my hand and say I had this. Santana was not going to be anything for the Royals. He never was anything for the Royals. And I just hope that I'm not cursing this like Jorge Soler last year and that he doesn't go to the Mariners and start hitting, you know, 350 <laughs> like Jorge Soler did for your freaking Braves last year. That was disgusting yeah. to watch. I mean, Carlos Santana, um, I, 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 I have to say, well, I have to say, he is, I never said he was the second coming of Babe Ruth. I don't think you did. I, maybe Weston did. I think he uh, did, but but I didn't. I, I think I was more middle ground. I thought, okay, I this agree. is a stop. This is a stopgap, 
And if he can come in and provide some power, some no, don't don't forget some much needed power for Kansas City at the time. They didn't have anybody that could really hit home no. runs. Salvador Perez was on the shelf the entire season. He was I'm, I believe when they when they traded for Carlos Santana or signed him or whatever they did. Uh, so they needed some power. They needed a power bat. I thought, okay, this is a stopgap. He hit a few home runs. His average was abysmal. His OPS was abysmal. This was the right trade to make. You got Vinny Pasquino. Pasquantino. Is that how you say his last name? Pasquantino? I, I honestly don't know. Uh, Who, I can't say you know, that I've been watching a ton of Royals baseball this year. The team is is just so... Uh, everybody other than Bobby Wood Jr. is just so unwatchable. Sure. You know, Bobby Wood Jr. has made some unreal defensive plays. Sure. They've been moving him around the left side of the infield. I love what I see out of him. And, you know, let's well, if we're going to throw him under the bus, let's give Weston some credit. He said Bobby Witt was going to be the next big thing. Bobby Witt Jr. appears to be possibly the next big thing for yeah. Kansas City. He appears to be, you know, accepting that mantle and deserving it right now. But... Yeah, I, I don't know how you say that guy's name. But here, here, here's where we're at though with the Royals. Just very briefly, I mean, sure. obviously they stink. We're I approaching do. the all. We, we're approaching the All Star break, which means the trade deadline is right around the corner. I don't think Carlos Santana is the last to go. I think, you know, we are whole, sellers at this point, are we not? This whole promise of we're re- we're going to be ready to compete in a year or two. I think couldn't be any further off. I mean, that 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 deadline just keeps getting pushed back no. and pushed back and pushed back. I've I'll be the first to admit, I thought the Royals were going to be better this year than what they were. I think I said it in the preview. Like 80 I wins? Su- I, would, I said I wouldn't be surprised if they made it to 500. I said, don't. I wouldn't bet on it, but it also wouldn't shock me. They're nowhere near that. They're not going to get anywhere near that. They're going to lose over 100 games. So, got to be got to be sellers. I'm sorry. You can't hold on to Whit Merrifield anymore. You can't hold yeah, on. I agree. To, to, you can't hold on to Andrew Benintendi any longer. Uh, you've got to try to get some value it out of those It sucks that we're you try rebuilding to in the middle of a rebuild. Does yeah, it? and, and is, is it time for Dayton Moore? If we're while we're on the subject for two more seconds, uh, yeah. it's time for me. Yeah. For me, Dayton Moore. Yeah. You know, God bless you. You had you had a the best run of Kansas City baseball we've ever had. Those three years yeah. were magical. And we right. love you and appreciate you for it, but you are not showing any signs that this is getting any better anytime. This quickly. is this draws parallels, and I, I hate I hate drawing this parallel, but it does draw parallels to KU football in the last decade and <sighs> Shane Zinger. Why do you Shane do that? Shane Zinger, I'm just saying just why hear me you, out. Why do you do just that hear to me us? Out. Just hear me out. Shane Zinger hired Charlie Weiss. It was a disaster. <laughs> yeah, it was. In the and then they started to rebuild in the middle of the rebuild and hired David Beatty. Which was another disaster. disaster, and it was a rebuild in the middle of the rebuild. And then, That's kind of what, well, of course, then and Jeff then Long and Les Miles. We, we, threw, we I know, I we get threw it. I get Diesel it. on and somehow it. dropped a match. I and get it. But Les Miles pops out of the inferno. I under, I get what you're saying. I understand. Thanks for bringing it up. But my my point is that Dayton Moore, you can't in in a role like that. You can't have a rebuild in the middle of a rebuild and. I think it was, I mean, no, hindsight is twenty twenty. Looking back on the Royals' decision to not trade Whit Merrifield last season oh, looks when so he had dumb significantly now. more value than he does this season is so bad. Looks it's such a blunder. Now. Such a blunder. They absolutely should have traded him last year. They are not going to get the return no, for him. Close. That they it, Nothing like what they would have gotten a year ago. But I think you have to lick your wounds, cut him loose, Try to get some value out of the guys that you can. 
probably make a move with Dayton Moore, and you know what? Maybe make a move with Mike Matheny. Nothing against Mike Matheny, but clearly it's not working in the first couple of years with Matheny. I think you just need a hard reset right now. Yeah, so we're looking at probably 2025 as the earliest possible date for Royals relevance. Uh, We'll see maybe 2027. Who knows? Well, on that sourpuss note, let's go ahead and <laughs> hit the music. Thanks a lot for nothing, Tommy. We'll try to bring you back here with our Wichita Whip around. A couple of stories from the Wichita area that you should be aware of for the water cooler this week. Tommy, what is your story? Well, yeah, some uh, local connections here with the announcement of the new inductees in the Kansas Sports Hall of Fame. That announcement came out uh, in the middle of our summer vacation. Congratulations to former Kansas men's basketball coach Roy Williams. Much deserved being inducted into the Kansas Sports Hall of Fame. Also, Emporian native and NASCAR, former NASCAR driver Clint Boyer inducted into the Kansas Sports Hall of Fame as well. That's much deserved. And then those two are kind of the headliners, but they're also joined by former chief and uh, I believe is he he's not on the network anymore I don't believe but Kendall Gammon he is not on uh, the network yes not on not on the chief's radio network anymore used to be the sideline reporter but former chief uh, he was an all pro long snapper for Kansas City uh, and I believe he's a, uh, is he a native of Pittsburgh I think he was a, a native right. of Pittsburgh Kansas uh, Kendall Gammon inducted legendary baseball researcher Bill James who had the whole money ball theory that was that was his deal uh, he He's being inducted in the Hall of Fame. Wichita State Championship winning bowling coach Gordon Vatican inducted into the Kansas Sports Hall of Fame. And the state's winningest high school girls basketball coach, Jesse Nelson. Those are the uh, most notable folks inducted into the Kansas Sports Hall of Fame. Congratulations to all of them. Uh, joining them, Emily Bloss Carpenter and Tara Holloway Churchill, both women's basketball players, and Elwood Bingo DeMoss, a Negro League baseball player, also joining them. Also, to wrap things up, on the whip around, the basketball tournament coming back to Cocorita July 22nd through the 27th here in Wichita. The Aftershocks, the number one seed in the Wichita Regional. They take on We Are D3 in the first round at Coke Arena, July 22nd at 8 p.m. Of course, that is going to be televised on, I believe, one of the ESPN networks. We Are D3 is a program that is made up of former Division Three players, as far as I know. I uh, don't really know any big stars that you would be aware of off that team, but We Are D3, they have been participants in the tournament, and they've been around as a collective unit since about 2018. So they're a known commodity, but I think they're going to have their hands full with the Aftershocks. Time for our additions, corrections, and retractions. And Tommy, I know we've got some things in the works for Show 100 coming up sometime the last week of July. Yeah, before we get into that, though, I do have one other addition that I want to bring up. Uh, and this was just announced uh, today or it's yesterday. Probably the same one that, uh, that I'm doing. Show, is that the, uh, the Wind Surge All-Star players... Uh, I think we we both we both got on that. Matt Walner tabbed for the MLB Futures game in Los Angeles Matt, during All Star Week. Leads the wind surge in home runs and RBIs. The guy is on an absolute tear. He is it's like every time the cover off the ball yeah, right now. Every time I see a wind surge highlight, it's Matt Walner. Like it's almost like he's the Ooh. only guy on the team doing anything right now. Uh, but he's been tabbed for the MLB Futures game, uh, and then he's not the only f- uh, player associated with the wind surge that was selected. 
for this. Spencer Steer, who started the season with the wind surge and is now at AAA with St. Paul, he's playing for the American League team uh, on the, the AAA Futures game as well. So congratulations to both of them. Fantastic job. Yeah, they're batting Matt Walner. Every time I go out to a wind surge game, uh, Matt Walner, as he got off to a slow start, but since about the first month of the season, every time he makes contact, you think it's going out. You just assume that he's hitting a home yeah. run every game. Uh, that's actually not the wind surge news that oh, I am okay. announcing today. Uh, I thought it was, but I'm not. The wind surge announced today that they will host their first ever high school football game coming up the 60th anniversary of the Holy War. Bishop Carroll, Cape and Mount Carmel, Friday, October 7th at 7 p.m. The Golden Eagles and the Crusaders will lace them up. Uh, obviously, Bishop Carroll trying to keep their long winning streak going. This is going to be a huge game in the Catholic community here in Wichita. It'll be the second ever football game being hosted by Riverfront Stadium. Of course, they hosted the Jayhawk Community College Conference Championship game uh, just last year. I believe this is going to be a home-and-home home situation. So two years, so Bishop Carroll will get a home game. Cape and Mount Carmel will get a home game there at Riverfront Stadium. I may have to make an appearance at this game. I may have to find a way to go. <laughs> I think it's going to be really, really awesome. I mean, how many other programs in Kansas are going to get to say that they get to play at a stadium like Riverfront Stadium for a football game? I think I it's think, awesome. I think you and I, I'm just going to propose this here on the show. I think you and I should attend together. Sure. Should do should go to the game together. I think you ought to wear a Carroll shirt and I'm sure. gonna wear a cape and shirt. Sure. Because your allegiance lie with the Golden Eagles and my allegiance lies with the Crusaders. I mean, I have called Cape and football games before. I have I've kind of straddled the but fence. But come on, you're a Carroll guy. I mean, I, through, I, I though, think most people would say, yeah, I have a lot more experience with and it's amazing as you talk to people and I was on, you know, when I was on that side of the rivalry, it was amazing how many Carroll people that I talked to who started at Capen and how many sure. Capen people when I was talking to them who had ties to Carroll. So it's sure. it's so interwoven. But yes, I will make I will put that down on my calendar. Uh, to go to that game with you. That sounds and, and I, like a I lot I don't have, and we've talked about it before, I don't have individual allegiance, but I'm pretty sure my wife would maybe leave me and her family would leave me if I did not cheer for Capen. Is she a crusader? She's a graduate of Capen, yeah. And, and all like it's her- been a her, rough her, couple of decades for her. Her sister, her cousins, her- I mean, she's got so many family that attended sure. Capen over the years. Um, yeah, it's been a rough stretch, but are they going uh, to allow Shorts, me to sit with you in a Carol uh, shirt? I don't, I don't know. Well, I'm sure it'll be fine. But Weston Sharks <laughs> sure. has absolutely turned that program around at Capen. He's been a godsend for them. That, that it's awesome, and you can say, you know, there are so many great high school football rivalries in the Wichita metro and programs. I mean, obviously Derby and all, all of them. Uh, but the Holy War, I mean, come on. Like, it's Cape and Carroll, and it's East versus West. It's the Arkansas River dividing the two. You've got Riverfront Stadium sitting right on the river. It's a perfect venue for it. And for all of the crap that we have thrown, and we're not the only ones, other people have too, the crap that we've thrown on the wind surge organization for not hosting things at Riverfront Stadium, this is a this win right. for them. I'm happy that they did that. You have Hats to give them off. credit. Yes. This is Hats gonna off be to Jordan Coberts. Hats off to the Wind Surge organization. Obviously, they did the Jayhawk Conference Championship game uh, there, so they know what it's like to have football there. Uh, but that this is going to be 
I don't want to say even bigger. It's a different environment when you have Capen and Carroll taking on one another uh, at a venue like this. It's going to be different than the Jayhawk Conference Championship game. and I, I think it's going to be a lot of fun. I think it's going to be awesome. The only caveat that I will use to get out of doing that is if they happened to need a public address announcer for that game, nah. I might make... I, I might make myself available if 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 somebody's looking, if somebody's asking. That's I'm fine, sure. but you you got to keep it impartial, right down the middle. Of course, a hundred percent, and I would do that. Both both are great. I had a great relationship working with both of those schools, and I wouldn't I wouldn't change that. And at the same time, I know that you know I know the guy who does the PA for Capen, and I know the guy who does the PA for Bishop Carroll, and I wouldn't want to step on Marty or Clark if they want to do it either. If they want to do it, God bless them. That would be so awesome to hear uh, Marty, the other voice of Bishop Carroll, do it, or Clark, who does the, the Cape and stuff. I, they would do tremendous out there. Um, that's all that I've got. Any other uh, corrections, retractions, additions for you, Tommy? I've got nothing. I think we've teased what's going on for our next show enough. Big I think show. We ought to finally tell some folks what's happening. We, we will have, uh, we, uh, how much are we going to reveal about the next show? Well, we don't have everything we in place. We don't have all do the you, details. Do you want me to, you want me to take it? Uh, so Yeah, go for it. There are things the, the in next, the works. Sure. The next episode is episode number 100. Uh, we we launched the podcast, Weston and I, back in like January of 2020. Um, it's taken us almost two and a half years or about two and a half years to get to episode 100, which is remarkable. Um, and so we, we've got a lot planned. It's going to be a lot of fun. It'll be a normal show as far as topics and the whip around and that sort of thing. But uh, one thing I think we can reveal is we, we've never done this before in a hundred episodes. We've never. never done this. We are going to attempt to stream the show live on various platforms. And I don't know exactly what that means. It might just be, <laughs> It might just be Facebook. It might be Facebook and Twitter. Hell, it might be Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube. I'm not exactly sure what our platform will allow. But for 99 episodes, we have always recorded this podcast and made it available typically the next day. And we'll still do that for this episode. We'll record it, post it later. But we're going to try to stream it live. And I believe, I'm crossing my fingers here, I believe that we're going to try to have some listener interaction. If anybody cares sure. to listen live, asking questions or joining the show, I think our platform can allow for that. So we're going to give it a try on the 100th episode. And you never know, Blake, it could be so gangbusters. It's just what we do from now on. You never know. It's possible. Yeah. I think at the very least we should be able to take comp to read comments that people have yeah. posted, even if it's on Twitter at the very, yeah. very least, because we would love to have you guys interact with the show while we're doing it live. I don't know if like, calling in or getting people i don't know how that's going to work we've never done this before and but the you know this platform that we're using on riverside is is pretty cool and so we think that we can do something that that will will be fun and and you guys can watch live if if that's something you want to partake in so uh make sure you like share and subscribe we're going to release those details probably through our twitter feed and also on facebook once we get those ironed out as well so uh that's that's the plan for show number 100 again we are targeting the last week of july as uh, tommy back on vacation here the next couple of weeks what do you mean back on vacation i haven't you just well, went to vacation vegas. from the show yeah but that was for work that was a work oh, trip yeah a work, that the, was a work the trip. infamous work trip to vegas did you get back with all your money from vegas <laughs> um no comment uh <laughs> i'll I'm, ask morgan 
That's fine. I'm going with uh, with my family to uh, Destin, Florida. Okay. Um, the the third week of, of July. So awesome. when we get back that week of the the I think it's July 25th. Yeah, we are targeting 24th. to uh, yeah, do 25th the, too. Yeah. So we'll we do will our 100 be with show you and go from there. At some point during that week, uh, really looking forward to it. Once again, at Cogpod on Twitter or follow us on Facebook. Really appreciate it. Like, share, and subscribe. Ring the bell if you're watching this on YouTube. Uh, really appreciate you guys. Uh, subscribe on your podcasting platform. Appreciate all the support uh, to get us on the precipice of episode 100 next week. I don't know exactly what we're going to talk about. Maybe we will have more conference realignment dominoes falling. Yeah. I think yeah. that there, you think there's a chance that some major domino might happen between now and the 1st of August? Very well, yeah, very well could be. Um, I, be I, I, do, I do have to mention, and I know that we're just about to wrap up, the one topic that we did not talk about at all, and it just came to my mind, and I don't think we need to talk about it necessarily, but at least mention it because we are Wichita Podcast. Wichita State has a new athletic director, and that happened in the time that we didn't have a show. So we, we've not talked about that at all. Did but, we not talk uh, about Kevin Saw last time? We didn't talk about I, that. I had him in my notes on the last did show. Did we? I think okay, I'm well, pretty sure we did. We did. I think well, then if I'm we an, did, I'm an then idiot. We yeah. If we did not, then we're the worst hosts ever. So <laughs> I mean, so take back everything. Well, even I just, if we did, we're we're the worst hosts. So ever, take so. back everything we just said about liking, sharing, subscribing. We're just two <laughs> idiots who don't know what we did. Did on we the talk last about show. it? We might have. I, I, I think we. I think we did. Because if we, I looked at my notes from the last show, because I was actually thinking the same thing as I was prepping. It's like, oh yeah, we got a uh, Wichita State AD is going to be on the next show. But then I looked and I was already in the notes. So if it was in the notes, then I, I'm pretty sure we talked about it. But okay. maybe we did, maybe we didn't. Who knows? Well, then I'm, a, um, then I'm an idiot. Well, we'll try to remember what we talked about on this show when we do show 100 so that we don't repeat again. But there's no guarantee that that will happen. There's only so much planning that we can put into this. Uh, Tommy, for our beloved audio listeners, as we wrap up episode 99 here, once again, at Cogpot on Twitter, where can they find your terrible takes on Twitter? And then I'll tell yeah. them where we can they can find my <laughs> terrible takes on Twitter. You can follow me anytime on Twitter at Tweets from Tommy. And I am at B-E-Crypt, B-E-C. R-I-P-P-S on Twitter. We will see you for our Century episode, episode 100, next time on the Keeper of the Games. Take care, guys. You've been listening to Keeper of the Games. Don't forget to subscribe, download, and listen on all major podcast platforms like Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, and more. Visit our website at cogsports.com. Find the podcast and videos on Facebook and YouTube at Keeper of the Games. And follow the podcast on Twitter and Instagram at CogPod. That's K-O-G-Pod.